In the scriptures today, as well as in the prayers of Holy Mass, we are invited to reflect upon the manner of the virtue of humility in our lives. Humility is one of those necessary virtues that could arguably be arguably found as the, the, the foundational virtue. It's humility that is the remedy to that ancient sin, the most ancient of sins, pride. It's pride that struck at the heart of Adam and Eve, and it's pride that continues to wreak havoc in hearts all throughout the world every single day. And the remedy of pride is, of course, the virtue of humility. It's important for us to recognize first, though, however, what is humility and what is not humility. Humility is not a simple uh, debasement of oneself. It's not a rejection of one's goodness as if to say, I am terrible and I'm, I have nothing that's worth anything in me and I'm, I'm just a, uh, everyone is better than me and I have nothing, nothing to offer anyone whatsoever. I am the worst. If that is one's example of humility, congratulations. You have a manifestation of pride veiling itself as humility. It's funny how that happens, huh? But humility is accepting the truth of things, that we have gifts that have been given to us by the Lord, and those gifts are sometimes better than other people's gifts in that particular area. In like manner, we have things where we are weaker than others, and their gifts manifest themselves more strongly. And all of this is to recognize that we have something to offer others, that there is goodness at work in us, not something to be rejected, but something to be put to use for the glory of the Lord and for the building up of His kingdom. It is to recognize our goodness, that we have been chosen by God to become children of God, that by virtue of our baptism and continued reception of the sacraments, we live the life of grace wherein God dwells in us. It is the most magnificent thing. And yet, without Him, we are utterly lost. It's holding all of these things together in hand that we recognize something of the reality of humility, is we recognize our blessedness. But in the end, we recognize that all blessedness that we have comes from the Lord. It is His gift that is given to us. And so we rejoice in these things. We can look to the Blessed Mother, certainly as a wonderful model of this, in a very practical manner. And then when she goes for the visitation to Elizabeth, she goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth begins to point towards our Blessed Mother, Blessed, that the, the mother of my Lord should come to me. And Mary immediately responds, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and begins a litany of His good works that have been done, of the power of His goodness and mercy at work in her life. It is this that we are called to have in the living out of humility, that we recognize that there is good that we do, but in the end, to turn it always towards the good Lord. This will help to root out our pride. It will help us to keep a proper order in mind, that indeed there is the Lord first above all, and then others very likely will follow, and then ourselves. Additionally, it helps us to love others and to serve them properly. Sometimes if we have a disordered self-love, if we have pride working within us, the love of the things that we do, the service that we have to others, sometimes can be tainted and lose its merit. If we do something kind to others so that others may notice, we have our reward, as our blessed Lord says elsewhere in the Gospel. If we do something so that we may, may gain notoriety, may gain fame, may, may be looked upon well, that is all that we gain. But we do not gain the merit of humility, we do not gain the merit of charity. 
Rather, we have our earthly rewards. But to be humble is not to look to oneself, but rather to look to the Lord and to others, and to allow the Lord's good work there to be manifest. And then we will have our merit. These are the things that we are called to experience and to live in this humility of life and to bear forth its fruits. But how is it that we concretely live humility? There are a couple of books that I would suggest that you consider uh, as options for this uh, journey in humility. And certainly there are many others that could be added to the list, but for the sake of brevity, here are two of them in different styles. One is known as, is called Humility Rules by Augustine Weta, a Benedictine monk. And it's a book that outlines what may be called, or what he refers to as the St. Benedict's Ladder of Humility. There are 12 points, 12 steps or rungs that one may climb uh, as one ascends this ladder. We'll use that as point of our reflection for this sermon. Additionally, one can read Humility of Heart by Cajetan de Bergamo. It's a more of a classic work, one I think composed in the 17th century, uh, and so uh, a bit more of a classic reflection on a virtue of humility in a more traditional form, uh, but nonetheless uh, also has practical applications toward the end of that work. But what I would encourage you, even before you pick up books to reflect upon the lit- this humility, is to consider praying the litany of humility. If you have not heard of the litany of humility, you have now. And if you've not prayed the litany of humility, I hope that you soon will, because it is a powerful prayer, but can also be a kind of scary prayer to mean the things that are said in the litany of humility. One of my professors at the seminary, a priest, he said whenever he himself found the prayer for the litany of humility, he recognized how rich it was and how much he desired it but he also knew that it was kind of difficult. And if he continued to pray those words day after day, he himself might be inclined to quit praying them because they ask for hard things. So he gave the litany of humility to a religious sister and asked her to pray for his humility and knew that she would persevere in it. Not a bad plan after all. Regardless, the litany of humility is something that should be prayed with some regularity for us to reflect upon this great gift and to allow the Lord to shine more radiantly through us and allow ourselves to step back. And praying the litany, the litany, sometimes there may be a temptation to, to wonder, why is that line in here? And to feel inclined to scratch it out or white out uh, that little section. And if that's one's inclination, start there. Because that's the place usually where we are most inclined uh, towards pride. Always begin with the place that we like the least. But in addition to this litany of humility, we can have this ladder of humility offered to us through the rule of St. Benedict. And it contains a variety of things, a variety of postures of soul as well as of body that can be maintained through the course of our earthly life and do not have to be only for a particular moment. They are everyday things. For the sake of the brevity of it, we'll go kind of skipping along the surface, but there is much that could be said about each of these things. I would encourage you to continue to dive deeper in reflection upon them. St. Benedict would offer to us that a perfect starting point for humility is to have a fear of God, 
Not in the sense, of course, of a cowering fear of a, uh, you know, of like, you know, that God would be some sort of abusive father, and we need to we need to shrink back at any at any you know sign, lest His hand of justice be raised against us. This is not it at all. Rather, it is that fear of God that is, as the gift of the Spirit, an awe of God, an awe of His majesty, of His power. And in this, we're able to recognize that in the face of, of His power in comparison, in, 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 in comparison to His awesomeness and majesty, we are nothing. And to remind us that we are not to put our trust in ourselves and our own thoughts, but rather to put our trust in God. To have that holy fear of Him that leads us to place our trust in Him because we know His immensity and His power. It is then for us also to take up acts of self-denial. Those little moments where we may be able to deny ourselves and to recognize that what we desire is not what matters most. Rather, it is what is the Lord's will here. And little acts of self-denial are rejection of that self-will. It's a setting it aside so that the Lord and His will may have primacy. Obedience as well, another step for us. Obedience, being able to submit to others, even those who may be our inferiors in some manner in this life, but a, a willingness to put ourselves at the service of others, to submit ourselves to others, and to seek their good is a tremendous way to grow in this humility. Perseverance, particularly in injustices or in trials. Perseverance, sometimes the temptation may be that, uh, that, that we, we don't deserve these things. I don't deserve to be treated this way. I don't deserve the, uh, for, for this to have happened to me. And yet, we do, in reality. The simple fact is that, that we are not always as good as we might think or as deserving of the good as we might think we are. And so it is sometimes for us to accept these injustices with perseverance and to remain in them, and so as to pursue the good Lord and His will to shrink us down to our proper size, rather than to allow ourselves to continue to grow larger and larger than Him. Repentance is another way. The evil one loves for us to be able to keep our sins and our sinfulness only to ourselves, not to tell another soul lest we lose our good image. But sometimes it is good for us, most certainly in the sacrament of confession, but also from time to time, as appropriate with others, to be able to, to reveal something of our own brokenness, not in a matter of flaunting it, not in a matter of, of kind of inappropriate revelation, but in such a manner as to be able to, to show that, that I am not perfect, that there are weaknesses at work in me. And so as to crush any resemblance uh, of, of having it all together, so to speak. Those moments where we do manifest our weakness is simply to, to say that we are still being worked upon by our Lord. The next step is that of serenity, or perhaps contentedness may be a better word for us. Contentedness is this understanding and, and appreciation of what we have not striving always to have something better and the next and the best, greatest, and all these kinds of things, but to recognize the blessings that we ex have experienced, the gifts given to us by the Lord, and to be thankful for them, to accept them, and not continually to be striving for more and more and better and better. Indeed, to experience some self-abasement is the next piece, not to think one too, self, too highly of oneself, and again, this, there is a, a healthy sense of this, but there's also an unhealthy sense of this. 
So it's not to think whether we are absolutely useless, but it is to recognize that even our talents, um, if it were not for the good Lord, would be lost upon us. And so it is to, to debase ourselves, to this, this self-abasement, uh, so as to allow the Lord to really shine forth as the power behind the good that we do. Prudence is another step that St. Benedict would offer to us. Prudence in the manner of, of being able to acknowledge that, that there, is, there are others who know things as well. There's the common experience of humanity wherein others may have more wisdom than we. It was a great revelation to myself when in my mid-twenties I realized my parents weren't actually as foolish as I thought they were, all of my teens. Imagine that. I began to understand these things and to realize just how intelligent they were, how wise they were in the things that they suggested to me. Their prudence was manifest to me, and I, in my imprudence, so many times acted out of self-will. Another portion for us is that of silence. Easy it is for us to desire to speak, to be able to, to, to show forth our, uh, our, our knowledge, our intellect, or wisdom in some particular point, to be able to, to, to have something to say so as to gain attention, or any other number of things. But sometimes it is best for us simply to remain silent, to be humbly present there, quiet, not having always to share, but more importantly, to be willing to receive from others, to recognize that in each there is something that we do not know yet, and that person is simply able to impart it to us if we are patient and silent enough. Discretion is another point, as well as reverence. These two coming very, very close together, not asserting oneself too much is an easy point for us to consider in discretion. It's not, uh, again, not kind of, uh, you know, jockeying for the best position uh, in a particular manner, Try not trying to, to always be seen, to be heard, to be noticed, all of these kinds of things. But rather, it is for us to, to step back and to point towards others, to highlight their goodness, to highlight their gifts. In a similar manner, this reverence, to be able to do that not just in, a, in, a, in the, the posture of our life, the posture of our mind, but also to do so even in our own flesh, to be able to, to kind of to desire and to work to, to be in the background in some manner, to shrink from uh, the, the fact of um, being in the limelight. The temptation for us can be to, to think that, that reverence is something only that happens in the liturgy, only that something that happens in prayer, but reverence is, is also a recognition that the Lord is with us at every moment of our life, and to live as such, to live in a manner that continually seeks after Him and points to Him, and to recognize His goodness in each moment. And lastly, that of dignity. It is dignity that seems uh, a kind of interesting point. How is it that, that living dignity uh, manifests forth humility within us? And yet it is the simple fact that as much as we are uh, broken ones, we have been blessed by God and being made children of God. And there's a dignity to this. There's a richness to this that we must portray and show forth to others, not to simply lower ourselves to the things of the world, but to maintain the richness of the call given to us in Christ. To live this is to live the power of God and to show forth the power of God and the wisdom of God in all things, and not simply to allow ourselves to remain in the front. So each of these are ways in which we can begin or continue to work upon this virtue of humility. 
But there are two ways I would suggest also to you that were ways that we are not necessarily intentionally working on humility, but which humility may increase within us if we are willing. The first is accepting humiliations. These are the unpleasant ones that are imposed upon us sometimes. After you've just fixed your plate at the, at the line, you've got your plate, you turn around, you bump into somebody, and your plate goes all over them, or you, or both. Your face turns red, and you don't know, you don't know what to do because you just made a mess of things. You're sitting at the dinner table, and you're having a great conversation, and, you, and you're using your hands like a good human, and you have to talk, right? We have to use our hands to things, and you talk and knock over your cup or someone else's cup. A while back, I was on an airplane, and uh, you know, I always have the fear of, of, uh, of you know, what, am I, what, what if I spill the drink on myself? So I didn't do that. I spilled it on my neighbor. And then they, they have to sit for the next three hours with a wet lap because of me. And here I am feeling like a doofus. These are things that happen to us. But in those moments, it's a recognition that we are not perfect, that every moment of our, ni- of our life is not entirely under our control that there are things that happen, accidents in some manner, wherein we get to realize a bit of humility within ourselves and place ourselves below another person in some manner. It's to embrace these gracefully, to be able to acknowledge them, sometimes to laugh at them, certainly if you pour your drink on someone to apologize to them. In whatever manner, it's to embrace these things, not to beat oneself up, but rather to accept it and to move on to do one's best to remedy the situation, to clean things up in whatever manner, and proceed on with life. And the last one is the one I think that can certainly weigh upon us, because the other humiliations may come to us in a public manner, and that's as they come. But the latter one very often will be private. It's the humiliations of our sins. The reality is that all of us sin, and all of us also follow patterns of sin, which means whenever we go to confession, very frequently we will say the same thing over and over and over again, and it's frustrating, and it can be humiliating to some degree. I've heard many who have come to me, and I myself have felt the same thing of, what is this priest going to think? Because they just heard, you know, they have been to him multiple times, and they keep hearing the same thing out of me. Or what do you have to, what, what happens when you come and you tell the priest, Father, it's been one day since my last confession. Goodness gracious, right? It's humiliating. It's humbling. In this place, too, we can grow in humility in an immense manner. To be able to come to the Lord and to admit our faults before him is to know that he will exalt us. He himself tells us this. If we exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. But if we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. In the sacrament of confession, we have the opportunity to humble ourselves before the Lord and before his priest, to admit our wrongs, to admit the fact that our life isn't all put together nice and neatly as we might like it to be, to admit that even despite our best efforts, very often, the same sins will continue to pop up, no matter how much we might fast and pray and work to remedy them for a particular time. They still may manifest in some way. It's to admit humbly, in the end, that I need God for these things. This, in fact, is part of the point of the gospel today, 
is the man who was left there beaten and, and, and stripped naked and, and left in the ditch. He's there, and no one else can save him. Or someone else has to save him. He can't save himself. He has to rely upon someone else. And this is really is the essence of humility for us, is that in this life, I cannot do for myself. I do not have sufficiency of myself. Rather, St. Paul tells us, our sufficiency is from God, it is to rely upon Him, that we need Him. And this is what confession teaches us, that when we rely upon ourselves, we will fall short every time. But when we rely upon Him, when we humble ourselves before the Lord, He exalts us, He lifts us up, He increases His virtues within us, He makes us more and more like Himself. As we humble ourselves in the sacrament of confession, He exalts us and He lifts us up to His heart, that place which He tells us is full of meekness and humility. It's from His heart that we're able to learn these things to learn this humility. And this is the grace we ask our blessed Lord. But by the grace of the sacraments, by the grace of our life of prayer, by the good works that we take up in striving to live the life of humility, this virtue, that by whatever humiliations we endure, whatever sins we have within us, to be able to allow all of these things to bear forth the holiness of life that is manifest in humility. Above all of these things, it is to imitate the perfect one, Christ himself, who humbled himself to come among us. May we draw close to his heart today in this Holy Mass to drink deeply of the riches of that heart, the riches of his mercy, the riches of his meekness, of his humility shown forth to us.